You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. We're glad you're here. I want to invite you to grab your Bible, turn to the book of Acts in the New Testament, and get ready to study God's Word together in a series we call, We Are All Witnesses, Part 3. Good morning, church. Good morning. Morning. I am excited to be here today. Uh, if you're new, my name is Tommy Kreitz. Uh, I serve actually as the campus pastor of our Crystal Lake campus and also on our teaching team. And man, I'm just so thankful for all uh, that the Lord is doing in our church. Thankful. Thankful uh, for the many ways that we partner together in the mission as one church. And I'm um, just so thankful for that um, this morning. And um, I just want to make mention, as Dave noted and Pastor Jeff uh, spoke last week and shared uh, our December need um, to finish the year strong of 2.1 million, uh, how we can prayerfully consider how we might be a part of helping uh, the church finish strong this year. Here's the thing. Jesus gives us exactly what we need when we need it. He is faithful and trustworthy. Amen? Not only to the church, but to us as well. And so we trust him with everything. I want to tell you about a, uh, something going on in my family right now. It's a, it's a little bit of a problem. Uh, I have two kids, uh, Zion and Ava, and during our nighttime routine now, uh, there's a bit of a competition going on between the kids, and uh, it's whoever, we, we love to snuggle together, uh, watch a little bit of TV, and then go to sleep, and so there, there's kind of a, a race into the, into the bed to snuggle, and whoever gets there first is the one who gets to be the closest to dad. Right, I'm like, I get like the sliver of the bed. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about, right? I get the, the outside sliver of the bed. And so uh, the kids come in and whoever gets there first is closest. And then there's much uh, whining and complaining and crying by the one who didn't get there first. And um, <laughs> this week, Zion uh, got there first. And so he's ri- literally right next to me, which this, by the way, is the best problem in the entire world to have. It's my favorite problem. I love... I absolutely love it. So he gets there first, and Ava comes into the, into the room, and she's like, Dad, that's my spot. I'm like, sorry, sweeties, I got here first. She's like, oh, you know, she's four years old. Everything's dramatic. But she gets up onto the bed and, and sits next to Zion, and, and we watch some TV. And, I, and I, I, I take my hand, and I even put it over Zion, and I grab her hand, and we're holding hands, watching some TV in bed. A couple moments pass. And she goes, Dad, I feel so far away from you. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, you are literally not. <laughs> you are, in fact, so close to me that I'm holding your hand. And she says, but it feels so far. I feel so far from you. I want to be closer. And uh, I loved every second of that. I'm like, well, next time beat your brother. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I had her lay on me for uh, as long as she wanted to. But um, I think, you know, I was thinking about that this week as, as I was preparing for this message, and I think that we can feel uh, a lot like Ava uh, when it comes toward God. We feel, maybe you felt this in your life as, as a Christian, you felt distant from the Lord. You felt far. But the reality of that, even though you felt far from the Lord, is that the entire time, God was right there, holding your hand. He was near. That's what we're going to be talking about today is uh, the title of our time is God is near. He is near. 
In this Christmas series that we're going through, we want to give people an idea of, of, of what happened around Christmas and to celebrate what took place there. You know, one of the greatest miracles in the, in the history of the world and, and how important it was that God became man and really answer the, the, the question of what do we learn about God in the way that he did all of this, the Christmas story. What do we learn about God? Last week, we uh, learned through Pastor Jeff that God is generous. This week, we are going to learn in an even, even greater way, possibly, than maybe we knew before, that God is near. God is near, right? Emmanuel, God with us. Before I jump strictly into speaking about the nearness of God, I want to give us two theological terms that we need to hold together as we talk about the nearness of God. The first term is the transcendence of God. The second term is the imminence. Make sure I spell those right. Yes, the transcendence and the imminence of God. The transcendence of God is the aspect of God's character that recognizes his position above and beyond all that he created. He is great and matchless and perfect in all of his ways. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He is transcendent, but he is also imminent. God's imminence is recognizing that he graciously enters into his creation, working and acting within the world that he has made. This is, if I were to put it in really simple terms, his transcendence is the farness of God and his imminence is the the nearness of God. C.S. Lewis puts this a beautiful way. He says that God is both further from us and nearer to us than any other being. God is further from us, transcendence, and nearer to us, eminence, than any other being. And I think as we talk about the eminence of God, God is near, I think we need to hold these two together. We have to. Because sometimes people can, uh, you know, pick one of these and be like, oh, I'm all about the transcendence of God, right? And we should be all about the transcendence of God. But they could really hyper-focus on that and his above and beyondness and farness. And what that can do is create a little bit of maybe distance, right? Sure, we get the, the fear and the reverence that we should have. But if we neglect the imminence, then there can be some distance. But if we just focus on the imminence of God, his nearness, we lose the reverence and fear of his transcendence. And so we have to hold these two together. And I think, honestly, as you think about the imminence and the transcendence of God together, that his imminence is made all the more sweet and miraculous and scandalous and beautiful and amazing because of his transcendence. He's the God of the universe holding all things together, who had created all things, and he is near. It's a miracle. If I were to put that in human terms, it's like me coming to your house, knocking on the door, um, you know, just wanting to come and spend some time with you, and you're like, well, okay, well, maybe, you know, it's, it's fine, just normal Tommy, right? Coming by, wanting to spend time with us, 
That's fine. You might not even open the door. You're like, ah, we're too busy for him today, right? Now, if you took someone more transcendent than me, at least in position, let's say the, the president of the United States, okay? And for the sake of not muddying the analogy, choose your favorite president, okay? <laughs> choose your favorite one. That president comes to your house, knocks on your door. You open up. You're like, what are you doing here? I want to spend time with you. <laughs> what? What do you mean? You're the leader of the free world. Surely you have more important things to do than come and spend time with me. It would be wild for that to happen, right? It would be incredible. Listen to me, church. That's just the president of the United States. Multiply that by orders and orders of magnitude. We have the king of the universe who wants to be with us. God is near. And so we're gonna look through the scriptures, do a little bit of a, maybe we could call it a biblical theology of the nearness of God. And uh, we are going to be going <laughs> from Genesis to Revelation today, all right? So seatbelts on, here we go. And we're gonna start in the beginning. We're gonna start in the beginning. And here's what we find is that the nearness of God, what we find is that God started near. God started near. God's nearness isn't new. God's nearness isn't just a New Testament truth or a future truth that we can hold on to. It's not new. It's how he started. He started near to his creation, right? If you go back into Genesis in the creation account, Genesis 1 and 2, God created the heavens and the earth and all of the things in the heavens and the earth. He created all things and then he made mankind, Adam and Eve. He said that it was good. And in the creation account, we see the nearness of God to his creation. He speaks to them. He talks with them. He gives mankind purpose. I think a, a really um, clear passage is Genesis 3. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We're going to get into that in a second. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Do you see the nearness of God in the beginning? Do you see it? God is near with them in the garden. God is with his creation in the garden. Now, there's some debate around this passage there's some debate uh, whether this is uh, the, the pre-incarnate Christ or some theophany of God, a physical manifestation of God based on the language of uh, making sound or walking. Those seem to be physical characteristics. So maybe this is a theophany or pre-incarnate Christ, a physical manifestation of God, or maybe it is the invisible presence of God. Right, cool of the day, the phrase there actually means wind of the day. And so some think that this is the invisible presence of God in the wind. But regardless of what interpretation you take on that, the point remains the same. God is near. God is near his creation. He is with them in the garden. So why does this matter? Why does this matter that we see the nearness of God in, in, in the garden? Because from the very beginning, from the very beginning, this is who God is. 
from the very beginning of the book that he has given us to know about him, this is who he tells us he is. He is a God who is near. It shows us his character. Then, of course, um, we messed it up <laughs> right in the garden. We messed it up. Adam and Eve um, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one tree that God told them not to eat from. They were deceived by the servant, uh, serpent, and they ate of the tree. And sin entered into the world. And because God is perfectly, transcendently holy, because of sin, impurity, there had to be separation. We messed up. That deep intimacy and nearness was broken. Genesis 3, 23, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Lord God sent him out. He drove out the man. There was separation in the nearness of mankind and God because of God's holiness and because of now the sin and impurity of mankind. Adam messed it up uh, not only for himself but also for the rest of mankind because now sin has entered by one man. Everyone born after now has a sin nature, meaning they have a propensity, a nature towards sin, which means they will sin and fall short of the glory of God and be separated from God. This is the worst mistake in human history. In fact, all of the awful things that we experience, all of the pain and evil and suffering is because of this moment. Thanks, Adam. Ruined it for the rest of us. Although if we were in his shoes, we would have probably exactly done the same. But Adam is a bit of like the guy who ruins it for everyone, right? Like the epitome, the pinnacle of that, right? Ruining it for the rest of us. Family on their way to the water park. Siblings in the back. One of them being super annoying. Annoying mom and dad. Mom and dad turning around. If you don't stop, I'm gonna turn this van around. We're going straight home. All the other siblings are like, dude, shh, be quiet. We all wanna go to the water park. Annoyance comes out. We're turning around, we're going back, ruining it for everyone. That's Adam. That's Adam. And because of this sin, there was separation. That deep nearness was lost. In fact, the, the rest of the Bible the rest of the story of the Bible is about the plan and purpose of God to deal with man's sin so he can once again enjoy the deep fellowship and nearness with God in his presence. That's the rest of the story of the Bible. And so God started near. Really important that we know that. He started near. And we messed up. But even though we messed up, here's the second thing, he stayed near. God stayed near. Now, that intimate, deep nearness was lost because of sin. <laughs> humanity, from that moment forward, was running away from God. And even though humanity was running away from God, he stayed near. It wasn't the same nearness. It couldn't be the same nearness because of sin. 
but he stayed near. He was still near. In fact, we could see this all throughout the Old Testament. There's so many different verses that could show us the nearness of God. I wanna show you my favorite, which is Exodus 33. It says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Do you see the nearness of God in this story? Do you see his nearness? You see, after man messed up, God didn't just go, all right, well, see you later. I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> no, he, he, he stayed near. The nearness was, was different because of sin, but he was still near. In fact, the, the writers of the psalm, the psalms knew this as well. Let's take a little trip through the psalms. Psalm 23, four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 119, 151, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Psalm 139, seven, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If, you, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. God is near. He started near. He stayed near. Even though he stayed near, he sometimes felt far. He sometimes felt far to the people. In the wilderness, in exile, in the, in, in the, in the period of judges, the people felt there was a distance between them and God. In fact, this is kind of the, you, you see this throughout the history of, of Israel. There's, there's kind of like this, uh, what would happen is they would, they would be near to the Lord, obeying the Lord, and then uh, they would feel far from the Lord, they would rebel, and then the Lord would come near in judgment, and then they would come near and they would obey, and then they would feel far, and then they would rebel, and then the Lord would come near in judgment, and then they would obey, and then they felt far, and then they rebelled, and then the near, right? It, it's like the, have you guys ever seen the Sesame Street Grover? This is near, this is far, like that's Israel, right? Near, far, near, far, near, far throughout the history. And there was different access for different individuals to the nearness of God. When they built the temple, there was, um, there was the, the, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. There were specific people who could come 
near to the presence of God. The nearness wasn't perfect anymore. God stayed near, but that nearness wasn't perfect. It was, it was broken. There was separation because of sin. But even though we messed up, God stayed near. But people felt far. Because that nearness was broken and God sometimes felt so far, here's the third thing, he came near. He came near. This is the miracle of Christmas. He started near. He stayed near. He came near. This is why we celebrate. His nearness was perfect in the garden and we messed it up. He stayed near but sometimes felt far because of the effects of sin. So God came near. He came to us in, in human form, the visible image of the invisible God. The one who existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He became our high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Taking the likeness of man being born as a baby, Emmanuel, God with us. And not just to come near to people 2,000 years ago, not just to come near to people 2,000 years ago, but to fix the nearness problem for all of humanity. Jesus came. God came. John 1, 9 says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and true truth. I want you to notice this, that for all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God is near to us as a father is near to his children. Our moms, dads, what comes with the nearness of a father? Why describe it like this? What comes with the nearness of a, of, of a father? What do you show your kids with your nearness? Is it just proximity? Is it just that you're close? Kids, what, what, what do you feel from the nearness of your parents? Is it just a proximity? We're close together? No, there's so much shown in the nearness, isn't there? So much felt in the nearness. Love, intimacy, safety, security, comfort, all of these things felt in the nearness of our Father. Because Christ came, we are not only near God, we are near God as sons and daughters with a Father. That's amazing. And so why did, why did Jesus come near? Why did he come near? 
Well, Jesus came near uh, on a rescue mission to save us from the effects of sin so we could be near to God once more. 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, Paul writes. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. Jesus came to save sinners so that he came near to bring us near. Jesus came near to bring us near. Without Christmas, without Christ coming to us, we would still be separated from God. No amount of human effort could bring us to heaven to be near God. So heaven had to come down and come near to us. Augustine has a, a, a wonderful quote. I want to share it with you. It says, man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on his journey, that truth might be accused of false witnesses, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die, so that we might have life with him. He came near to bring us near. And Jesus didn't only come physically near 2,000 years ago, but God came near in another way as well. Galatians 4, 6 says, and because you are sons, remember those who believe in the name of Jesus are given the right to be sons of God. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So Christ came physically, Christmas, but God sent his spirit into our hearts as well. The presence of God no longer confined to a temple, but now living inside everyone who believes, which means that we have full access to God through what Christ accomplished, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have full access to God. Where we were once separated by God, by a veil in the temple, that veil has been torn and his spirit dwells within us. And because Christ came, we can approach God freely. What a miracle that is, amen? The incarnation of Christ, the coming of Christ, and the indwelling of the spirit means that we can be near God always in this life. What a wonderful truth for us. So he started near, we messed it up. Even though we messed it up, he stayed near. Nearness wasn't the same, there was separation. He stayed near. Even though he stayed near, people still felt far away from him. Because they felt far, he came near. And because Jesus came near, we will be forever near, forever near. 
Revelation 21. Told you we'd get there. Genesis to Revelation. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Do you see it? Do you see it? God's dwelling place will be with man. Just like the garden. He will be with his creation perfectly, deeply again in eternity. That is a great hope that you and I have. For not even just, uh, we have nearness now, but there is even greater nearness to be had. How incredible is that? And he will wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. We will be near God joyously forever. So I have two questions and two responses about the nearness of God. And I wanna ask us and walk through. I'm gonna start with the, with the questions. First question is, do you believe the nearness of God is your highest good? Psalmist writes that the, the nearness of God is my good. Do you believe that the nearness of God is your highest good? One of the other reasons that I love the story of, um, of Moses in Exodus 33 is that they're at the tent of meeting. The, the cloud, the pillar uh, descends and Moses is speaking to God face to face as a friend, as a man speaks with his friend. That seems pretty close, right? That seems pretty awesome. I would love for the pillar of cloud to be right here and us, right? Like that would be incredible. But he's not satisfied with that. He wants even more nearness to God. In fact, later on in the, in the chapter, he, he asked God, he says, show me your glory. I love talking and being near you, but I, I wanna be even nearer. Show me your glory. He knew that the nearness of God was his highest good. We have a lot of things in this world that tell us what our our best life, what conditions our best life will be found in. If you just do these things, you'll have your best life. If you just have a good morning routine, you're gonna have your best life. If you just do X, Y, Z, you're gonna be living your best life. There's books written about it. Best life now, every day's Friday, right? Do you believe that the nearness of God is your highest good, that you are actually living your best life when you are nearest to God. It's question one. Question two is, do you actually sense God's nearness to you? Do you actually sense God's nearness to you? I've talked with so many people um, over the years, counseling them, I hear the same thing over and over and over. I feel far from God. I feel distant. 
some people describe it as dry. It's like I'm in a desert. I just feel so far. I don't feel the presence of God in my life. I think the first thing that we should examine um, is the thing that the scriptures lay out for us. What causes separation from God? What causes separation from God? Sin. Sin. And I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life when I've felt far from God. I felt distant. And the moment that I look into my life, typically what I'll find is a, a sin that hasn't been repented of, hasn't been turned from. And the moment that I repent, turn, confess, accept his forgiveness, the nearness is restored. Like that. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Maybe there is a the reason that you feel far from the Lord, distant. You don't feel the his nearness, you don't sense God's nearness, is because there is unrepentant sin in your life that you need to turn from and confess to the Lord. Maybe, though, um, you're, you're going through a hard season. Maybe there's um, been a tribulation, a loss, and it just feels like Everything is far away. It's hard to even see what's down the road. It's just dark. Sometimes there's a time in that when we don't sense God's nearness to us. But I'm reminded of verses like Psalm 23. I think in those moments we speak God's word over our lives. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Because he is. We're just like Ava. We feel far, but God is right there holding our hands. And we can be sure that one day we will be with him in eternity and he will wipe away every tear and there shall be no more mourning nor pain for the former things have passed away. So those are the questions. Here are the responses to the nearness of, of God. The first is that I trust always that he is near and hope for even greater nearness in eternity. I trust always that he is near. Why? Because he tells me that he is. From the beginning to the end, he is a God who is, yes, transcendent, above, beyond, but he is a God who is near, with us. He came to us to save us, to rescue us, to bring us near to him. And he has given us his Holy Spirit. And so we must trust always that he is near. That's our response to God's nearness is to trust him that he is near. 
The second thing is um, in our response to the nearness of God is that we should seek to imitate God's nearness. We should imitate his nearness to others in our life. He has been near to us. We should be near to others. I mean, look at Jesus. He's a perfect example of this in the Gospels. When someone was having difficulty, when someone was in trouble, when someone was hurting, what did Jesus do? He went near. The lame man at the pool, what did he do? Jesus went near. The blind man, what did Jesus do? He went near. To the woman in adultery, what did he do? He went near. To the woman at the well, what did he do? He went near. To the disciples on the boat in the storm, what did he do? He went near. In every dark circumstance, Jesus goes near to bring his hope, his healing, both physically and spiritually. He goes near, and we can imitate him in that. We have so many people who are hurting and in darkness around us. I find it so shocking sometimes, um, you know, when someone has a loss of a loved one, you know, our immediate reaction is usually, I just gotta come up with the perfect text message, or I have to come up with the perfect words to send to them so that it'll help them heal, or it'll, right? Like, we, we, wanna, we wanna say the perfect things. If I just make them a, a billion meals and send them, that'll be, that'll, be, that'll be good. But what you find more often than not is that the most profound thing that you can do in that is not to send a carefully worded text message or the perfect phrase or, other things, but instead it's to just go and be with them, to be near them. And we have the opportunity to do that because we have a father who is near to us, who came near, who showed us how exactly to do that. And we can do that with those in our life who are hurting, who don't know the hope of Christ. We can go and be near them and we can share the light of Christ with them, amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for our time together in your word. Lord, we thank you for your nearness, seeing it throughout all of scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, the very words that you have given us to know you speak of your nearness. Lord, would we never forget that in the moments where we feel far from you, distant from you, when we don't sense the nearness of your presence. Lord, um, if that's because of sin, would you um, have your Holy Spirit convict us of that so that we can repent and turn from it and embrace your forgiveness? Lord, you are so faithful to us. You are faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came near to save us, to rescue us. Lord, we thank you for your example. Lord, would you help us to, to imitate you? Uh, we can't do that in our, in our own abilities. We need the power of your Holy Spirit at work within us. Lord, would you help us to be near to those who are hurting around us? Would you help us to share the light of Christ 
by going near to others who are hurting, who are walking in darkness. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information and how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbible.org.